Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hello and welcome to the osher ginsburg podcast i am osher ginsburg this is a weekly conversation with someone that i find truly inspiring hopefully it's a conversation that leaves you truly inspired as well my goal here is to just have a conversation with a guest that has a great story to tell someone that's achieved something remarkable in their lives perhaps and through their story, hopefully get inspired myself, I'm not going to lie, but hopefully inspire you as well. If you like what I'm doing here, please, or if you don't like it, tell me. I'm on Twitter. You can find me at Osher Ginsberg, at O-S-H-E-R-G-U-N-S-B-E-R-G. Uh, that's where you can find me. Just let me know. If you like the show, take the time, please. Uh, iTunes has a weird algorithm that ranks shows, and it goes on not only how many downloads, but also how many people commented and how many people rated. So if you like the show, please go ahead and do that. If you really like the show, you can tweet it. You can tweet a link about it. You can say, hey, I heard this. Uh, or you can say, hey, this is a great show or I like this bit. And then just put a link to the podcast page, um, Um That would be amazing. Absolutely amazing. In fact, I have to say thank you to someone who did exactly that. Uh, Karisuka Contreras, I believe that's your name. You did exactly that this week. You tweeted, um, hey, this is what's going on. This is happening, um, and here's the link to the podcast page. So, hey, thanks heaps. I really, uh, I really appreciate it. I'm okay this week, um, uh, as you know. Like I tweeted about it, I put it on Facebook. My anxiety came back uh, to come visit. Um, so, I've been trying to deal with that. Anyone that struggles with it um, knows that it's a son of a bitch, and you can't just snap out of it. Like people, oh, I just feel better. Yeah, well, that easy. I, I bloody would. Um, so I've been, uh, you know. Going out for a run and seeing if uh, the anxiety can keep up, um, which has been working. Um, I went out for a ride the other day. It's interesting how the physical exercise really helps um, helps manage it. I went out for a ride yesterday, and I, it was the first long ride I've done in a long, long time. Um, not very long by you know professional standards or you know really enthusiast standards, but I was out for like two hours and. 
Honestly, I slept eight hours for the first time in shit I can't even remember. It's amazing sleeping eight hours. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> it's like I wake up, I'm like, wow, the light streaming in from the heavens. I look at the alarm clock, but it's not 4.55 or whatever. It's like, it's like 7 a.m. I made it to 7 a.m. Unbelievable. Um, what did I do today? I did a thing called hot bar yoga, which was like, um, it's like yoga in a hot room. But also I found myself like I'm one of three guys in this room full of people who are dancers and there was bars on the wall. That's B-A-R-R-E, like the dancing bars. And I was pretty proud. I held my own. But Lordy, my, I sweated up a storm. I hopefully sweat all the fear out. Uh, <laughs> that was the goal anyway. Um, it was pretty good. But uh, my guest and I talk about that today, actually. I talk about, um, you know, giving up, giving up coffee, um, which anyone that ever knew me would know that coffee and I had a sacred bond. But it was that or, uh, you know, just kind of feeling afraid of nothing all day. So um, I switched to tea and, um, yeah, it's been helping. It's actually, it's, actually, it's actually pretty good. So let me tell you about my... Um, amazing guest today um really grateful that a lot of so many people care enough about the show that they've actually tweeted me and they got me on facebook to ask for for female voices and of course i interviewed a lot of women as well um when i made this show when i put this show together um and i'm interviewed i've got many women still coming up and i'm so grateful that you asked because i'm really happy that i can i can bring a fantastic human being to your ears today her name is natasha belling she is a television news journalist she is and i go a bit on about it and i i, I won't apologize because if you were in the same room as her you'd see to say, say the same thing she's a stunningly beautiful woman and she's married she's got two kids i'm not trying to come on to her but she's really a really good looking woman a very very smart maybe that's what i find her so attractive is she's so clever um maybe that's the thing that really gets me but she and natasha xlb and one of the greatest men i've ever met or known to know and been blessed to know james matheson are going to reinvent breakfast television in australia they're going to absolutely shake the shit out of morning tv and if I worked right now at Channel 7 or Channel 9 down in Australia, which is like the NBC and the CBS, I would be looking at doing some remodelling because uh, at 6.30am on the 4th of November this year, that's when Wake Up on 10 debuts and these guys are going to do such an amazing job and they have Adam Boland who's producing it. is a visionary man. This is the guy that created Sunrise. Um, it's going to be uh, amazing. And change is always good. Competition is always good. Uh, I think the thing that I've done, and Natasha and I talk a bit about it, is the thing that I'm most excited about is that you'll, you will all now get to see the James Matheson that I've always known. Uh, he's been, anyone that watched Channel V back in the day would know, but he still kept a bit away from the TV. He is just the smartest, funniest human being that I've ever, ever met. And I've met a lot of smart, funny people. And so I'm just so excited for him. I'm so excited for them. And I'm so excited for you because you get to watch this amazing show. They, they get it's geocock blocked over in LA where I am, so I can't watch it. So <laughs> anyway, Natasha Natasha Belling is a, a fantastic human being, and um, we have a really great chat. She's a working mother. We get right into that, uh, which is pretty awesome. And um, she doesn't pull any punches. 
our news is in safe hands. Her, you can follow her on Twitter, Natasha Belling. It's Natasha with an R, by the way. Uh, follow her on Twitter, at Natasha Belling. That's where you can find her. And um, so let's get this going. Let me just ramp up the metal and I'll, I'll, I'll get my big voiceover on. Here we go. My guest today is TV news journalist Natasha Belling. On the cusp of redefining breakfast television in Australia, we talk BNS balls in a time before Facebook, invaluable advice on how to break into the media industry, the current state of Australian childcare, her very own anchorman moment, and why she had a stand-up argument with her boss in the middle of a newsroom when she staunchly refused to put a story to air. I'm so happy you're here. Oh, it's my pleasure. So you went completely... See, I've got two boys and went completely off coffee when I was pregnant. Yeah. First coffee I had, I went like this. I yeah, could right. not believe it. I've gone off coffee twice now. And do you feel better? I think so. Some emotions certainly feel a little... Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking for my phone to turn it off. No, do it, do it, do it. I'm rolling, by the way. Oh, you're rolling. Okay, awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So I first time I went off coffee, I um, I'd had I broke my hand snowboarding. I've had three surgeries, and um, when I was coming off the morphine, I thought this is probably a good time to also come off caffeine. Yeah. Because I probably won't notice. Yeah. The the effect. Yep. As as a, and it worked. And I honestly I went two and a half weeks, three weeks without it, and the first one was like, oh, I was you know. <laughs> That's what worries I me. I was Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> right? Yeah, that is... It's so true. And, and that's so, what worries me. And then, so now... Now I'm just on tea. So I'm still getting caffeine, don't get me wrong. What type of tea? The black tea or green oh, tea. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm still getting caffeine. I drink a pot in the morning too, so I'm not... Wow, okay. You know, I'm the son of, a, you know, two Anglophiles, immigrants, but they became Anglophiles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so tea was always very important in our house as kids. And so to be back on tea is actually quite nice because I used to do it when we did the idol audition days where we'd just be interviewing from yeah. 10, 9 in the morning until 8 at night yeah. all day long. I found tea just gave me a, a, like a solid kind of right. steady high rather than the peaks and troughs. Yeah. And so – but I started smashing – once I had a coffee machine in my house with the push the button and it grinds the beans. It's like living with your drug dealer. It's true. Because then you just go bang, bang, bang. Push the button, grinds the beans. I only have two a day. So I think that's actually okay. Right. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you You look so beautiful. Much, I can't wait Osha. to take your Thank photograph you. later. <laughs> I've been three hours in makeup. I. Oh, <laughs> careful. Uh, so it's a really exciting time to talk to you in your yes. career. Mm. And I'm going to get to the super exciting part of, of, of what you're about to do because you and one of the greatest men I've ever known in my life, James Matheson, are about to change television in this country, oh. which I'm really excited about. So we're going to get to that. But I want to talk about how you, how you kind of got where you are because I find it, always find it quite inspiring about how people like yourself get to this point. And now 
I want to set this up at the start. I, before I was married, I lived uh, with my ex-girlfriend. We lived together for seven years, and I watched her as a woman uh, try and progress in radio, and the challenges she faced as a woman in radio. And then with both of these women were very, very beautiful. My my ex-wife, very, very beautiful, very successful television producer, but also watching how a beautiful woman, smart, beautiful woman, had to deal with the television industry. So that's kind of where I'm coming from when I'm talking to you today because Mm -hmm. I don't know if you realise you're a very beautiful woman. I know you're married. You're you're, very sweet and there's a lot of makeup. No, stop. (laughs) I remember, like, in the... Jamie and I sheet a cab home from the Channel 10 winter launch. I'm like... Does Natasha Billy know how hot she is? <laughs> you are very sweet, Osha, but I'm, truly I do not think I am beautiful by any means. You see me at 6 o'clock in the morning with two feral kids, I am not beautiful. <laughs> so at what point, uh, where, where, does, where, does, where was Sydney home for you? Where was home for you when no, you were a kid? No, my life story is very boring. Not but at all. Can't be, was, was, everyone's got a boring life story, but I, then they think it's boring, but it's not. It's always amazing. I'm very, very blessed. I'm actually from the country in New South Wales. So both my parents were from the land, uh-huh. both from very passionate farming Sheep. families. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm very, very passionate. One of the things I detest is people calling farmers, you know, those whinging farmers. Uh And I often say, okay, do you really think that these farmers are putting three or four hundred thousand dollars into that crop and wanting it to fail? They have a wonderful life, but I really think we need to be more supportive of rural Australia because they're our producers, our food producers, and one day we'll wake up and we won't have great produce. We'll have imported products at extraordinarily high prices and poor quality. And we don't know what they're growing with. Exactly. What fertilisers, under what conditions. Exactly. And look, I'll stop... Going on about oh, yeah, farmers. I have to talk about food. Till we, we can make this whole podcast about food supply well, because I'm all about that. You'll agree. It's all about natural produce. Yeah. And when you, t- um, you know, it's wonderful now. My parents live in Mudgee and they have chickens, and my boys get to experience real eggs. Wow. And the taste of real eggs is extraordinary compared to over manufactured eggs. Precisely. That way. So, how far country are we talking? We're talking Mudgee, which is regional New South Wales, which is about three and a half hours west of Sydney. Mm -hmm. But my parents are from around Tamworth area, both around that area. So I grew up in Mudgee in New South Wales where we walked to school and breathed the fresh air. And I cannot tell you how beautiful it is to grow up in the country. My goodness. So we're... When I think country, I grew up in Brisbane, and so maybe Queensland rural is a little more different. Yes. W- would BNS is a part of your youth? Oh, you betcha. <laughs> now, I should, I, ex- I should explain to people listening uh, outside of Australia a BNS is the Bachelor in Spencerball. Correct. In a time before Facebook, in a time before. Legalities. Let's, let's even say landlines. Yes. It was very hard for people who lived 20 kilometres or 40 kilometres away from their nearest neighbour to meet someone, to kiss, maybe hug, maybe have sex with, maybe marry. So the way that they would congregate these people together would be like, here are the bachelors from the country, here are the spinsters from the country. Once a year, let's come together and throw in utes and... and Lots of alcohol. Troy Cassadaly and <laughs> see what happens. So what was your first... Did you hear... Was it like a legend? Like, we're going to go to a PNS one day. Look, that's what I do love about the countries. They have an amazing community and they do support each other because it's very, very isolating for people if they live hundreds of k's away from each other. But I actually went to university University to do journalism at Bathurst in New mm. South Wales, at uh, Charles Sturt University in Mitchell, and Bathurst BNS was one of my first BNS's, BNS experiences, and uh, wow, I wouldn't want my children ever to attend a BNS. Wow. <laughs> 
in a time before Facebook, the things we used oh, to do. Oh, God, before electricity. No, look, I actually – and Mitchell was an amazing experience, fabulous university, and some of my best friends today I met at uni. You have no idea how many people I worked with at Channel V that came from that university. Yeah. It's a, it's Mitchell just, Mafia. It's just a machine that just cranks out Australian media professionals. Well, let's just say it. If you want to work in Australian television or radio, go to that uni, Charles Sturt. And what was great about it is also it was excellent as a poor university student. The rent wasn't as high as Sydney or yeah. Melbourne and it had a lovely community atmosphere you could walk to and from the pub. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> two k's down and it was about 20 k's back to our accommodation on campus. Best three years of my life at university. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and so at what point was journalism this is it you're not going to believe this from about the age of six i'll believe anything because yeah. i knew i knew what i wanted to do when i was maybe four or five really yeah yeah Truly. really you, people know that early people, yeah if you're really in tune with it i think people if you really listen to what it is that that voice is there from way younger than people I might realise. And I loved writing. I often thought that I'd go into newspaper Mm -hmm. writing and I used to do lots of work experience at our local newspaper, Mm. always school holidays and uni holidays I would volunteer. That's a big secret, I believe, to success in this industry is if you've got that attitude, I want to walk in the front door and get the top job and get paid a fortune, see you later. Right. It's extraordinarily hard industry to break into and you have to be dedicated to work 24-7. And if you haven't got that strong work ethic, I reckon that's the secret to longevity is really hard work. So how how long were you working for free and like and what when you what were your friends doing while you were working for free? What were you not doing while you were there? spending hours in front of, I'm going to guess, typewriter. Yeah, well, look, oh, I'm not that old. Okay, word perfect 92 or whatever yeah. the hell it was. Okay, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I would have to say I was very blessed that I was actually surrounded by great people at school that had a similar work ethic to what I did. My parents have an amazing work ethic. I would have um, – probably my first work experience would have been in year eight – And every school holidays I would volunteer for the local newspaper or the local radio station. And I still remember Peter Andron, who I'm not sure if you remember, unfortunately passed away about six, seven years ago of prostate cancer, but he was a very, very passionate independent politician for regional New South Wales. But originally before that, he was actually an English teacher and also a news boss, and he was my first boss at Prime TV in Orange in country New South Wales. And I still remember he offered me a job in my third year of university when I was finishing, and I got paid $16,500 a year, and I seriously thought I had won a million dollars. And I remember signing the contract, and I burst into tears, and I think he thought I was a complete nut job. And I said, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I cannot believe you have signed me on. And, you know, at that stage, $16,000. But I would have worked for free because I just loved every second of it. But the idea that he'd signed just a kid, a green kid, out of third-year uni... I was 20. Yeah, it's not true. You're someone at 20. By that point, eight years you'd spent every spare moment dedicating yourself to this. But I was still a complete fraud in regards to, I thought, my gosh, are you kidding me? I remember we did radio and we, we, we would, uh, for 2GZ, was one person, you know, and I had zero experience with putting together a bulletin. 
And I remember Peter said to me, okay, now you've got to do 2GZ, which is the local news bulletin, one day a week, and then you're on the road for television four days a week. And I said, but I've never done a news bulletin. He said, oh, we'll see how you go. Jump in the deep end and see if you can swim. So I get in there at 3 o'clock in the morning after getting the ice off my windscreen of my little Ford laser and in orange at minus 10 degrees or whatever it was, go to the radio station and I put a whole bulletin together So myself. pulling it off the wire, off the telex, I'm sure. So when I started radio, <laughs> it used to... <laughs> yeah. That dot matrix machine. And I still remember thinking, I cannot believe I'm doing this. Did you, I can't did you have do to this. put the carts together and all that? Yeah, we did. Yeah. And I would just be praying, thinking, God, I hope this works. Yeah. yeah. You forgot to pulse the carts, man. <laughs> We're talking ancient radio stuff now. We are, but it was fabulous. And yeah. you know exactly what I mean. In Once you get a buzz for live TV and live radio, there is nothing like but it. But the thing is that I think it's really important for people to realise is that if you can take the opportunity to be shit in front of no people for a long time, as long as you can, it's it's amazing. Because if you listen to my Midnight to Dawn radio shifts, I did four years of midnight to six in the morning, one to six in the morning. I was terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But... I was doing it. I was getting the flight miles. I was in the cockpit making and it And great experience. That's unfortunately what I would say that would be my best career advice is to do lots and lots and lots of work experience. And although it's very sad that a lot of regional centres are closing down television stations or radio mm. stations, you have to get your regional experience. You know, mm. we'd be on the road. I'd do four or five stories a day and I'd travel 200 k's. And I still remember being incredibly car sick in the back of the car trying to write my script and look through the view you find it to get the grabs. Oh, my God. Yeah. So your head's down. Yeah. You're, you're looking down in a tiny, like, <laughs> yes. your oldie Betamax. Yes. Uh, yes. While the road's shaking yes. and your, your balance system's all off. Yes. Oh, Lord. And I still remember falling in the door at Prime TV. We were on air then with your local radio state, um, local television station at 6 p.m. I remember falling in the door at about 4.30 one afternoon. I had three stories to write and cut. Oh, man. You know. That, 90 minutes. Yeah. And that's and now I look back at those times and think, you know, th- that is invaluable experience that unfortunately a lot of people don't have going straight into metro stations. Well, this is what I always say when I, uh, like even the other night, I I try to always make it one take. Uh, yes. When you're doing reality, you want to make sure that reaction is a real reaction, and then I walk out and that's it. Nothing. This is real, even though it's not live. I had to do a second take the other night, which I never tried as hard as I can never to do. But because I had edited reel-to-reels with a blade and tape... Gosh, yeah, right. I knew to leave an edit point. Yes. <laughs> you know? I knew to give him a neutral point and then come back again, you know? Uh, but it's only because I did all that for, for years. It was just It's just ingrained. It's just like, I don't know, let's say you're, you're carving something in a sandstone with yes. a matchstick. You're just getting that groove deeper every single time, every single time. And after years, eventually, it's a unmissable thing but it, you're just pulling it away grains at a time so you're coming from orange and then the frontier came calling well there's actually a funny story with that one of my best mates who's now a producer for 60 minutes and there was a situation where i got poached by the abc to go and join its newsroom in darwin and i didn't even think twice about it as soon as i got the call i went yeah sure i'll go to darwin and you know, not even thinking, wow, I'm going to leave my friends and family, but I knew it was an incredible experience. But when I received the call in the newsroom, I actually thought it was my friend geeing me up. 
And this person said to me, oh, you know, it's 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 Mr. Smith calling whatever I'm, I'm calling regarding a possible opportunity for you to join the newsroom in Darwin. And I thought it was my friend jing me up. So I said, sure. Actually, yes, of course I'll apply for it. Look, is your position up for review? Because, you know what, I don't want to be a journalist. I'm going to go for your position because I thought this was my friend. Yeah. Very awkward response. And I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, this is fine. So I completely took the mickey out of him. Said, look, it's really sorry. I'm, I'm going to cut a story. And he was like, okay, all right. Well, look, the advertisement will be in the paper on the weekend. Huh. And my name is, you know, say, Joe Smith. Uh, and would love you to apply, but I just wanted to give you a heads up. So I put the phone down. And then I thought, oh, my God, that wasn't my friend Jamie Up. That was really Joe Smith, the Managing Director of the Northern Territory Regional ABC Station. So then I still remember getting up at like 3 o'clock on the the Saturday morning, going down and waiting outside the news agency in Orange because I thought if this guy's name is Joe Smith, I've just completely ruined an amazing career opportunity. Got there and what name is... my God. Joe Smith. So then I had to call him and apologise profusely that I thought it was my friend geeing me up. Anyway, I applied for it, got it. Wow. <laughs> so started as a journalist up in Darwin and it was an extraordinary time to be there because the voluntary euthanasia, euthanasia legislation was in place. So I was up there when six people died using that controversial legislation with Philip Nitschke. So that was extraordinary. It's also an amazing time to be in the Territory because it's kind of like the last frontier. Yeah, it really is. They used to call press conferences with the politicians and they'd say, oh, we'd call it between 12 and 1. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it was an extraordinary experience, amazing Aboriginal uh, culture up there. I'd never had a real snapshot into, I guess, the beauty. Well, growing up where you grew up, it was pretty much cleansed of that by then. And I use that word knowingly that was actually really sad because yeah. in Mudgee many many you know m- you know hundreds of years ago they actually poisoned the waterholes around Mudgee and yeah. that's why a lot of aborigines stayed away from that region yeah. but you i had an extraordinary experience of aboriginal art and beautiful aboriginal people up in the territory which was great can i just rewind just a second um when you were uh, so because I, I know the feeling and I wanted I wanted to realise... When you... You said you just made the decision to go to Darwin. Yes. Friends, family, everyone, base, everyone you've ever known is within a few hours' drive of where you live. What was the voice inside you that went, got to go, I just have to go, this is it, I'm going? Because for me, it was all about opportunity and I'd also have to say that I'm someone that lives by, I'm going to do it and I never want to have regrets, as in I missed out on that what if. Mm. So for me, it was a no-brainer to join the ABC, which has extraordinary resources Mm. and extraordinary opportunities. And I know that that was a great regional centre because I was still very green. I was 21 when I went up there and... I know. And and for me, it was an experience where I knew that it was a bigger regional centre than Orange, but it was an extraordinary opportunity to yeah. break into the ABC and to also have national exposure. And this is the Australian Broadcasting Commission. It's uh, it's the government-run uh, media company. Yes. It's humongous. It does news. It does uh, documentaries. It does uh, scripted, non-scripted. Um, and have a mandate, everything has to be mm. negotiated and there's a lot of union stuff involved. Yes. It's, it's a very interesting organisation. I've done some work for them and it's very different. Um, but I'm, you really miss it when you're not in this country. Um, oh, I really f- miss the ABC when I'm in America, where I live. Um, I really miss the way they tell stories. And they get a lot of, they cop a lot of flack, particularly the way they report news, um, because there's, they're perceived to have a left-leaning bias, but... I don't really think they do. 
I actually completely disagree. I've worked within the organisation. There was no bias. Yeah. Well, this is the thing because but when they report, it's so converse. We're going to get to this because um, I want to talk about what's happening in Australia at the moment, and this will be relevant after the election as well. You've got two hours. When, <laughs> because when the ABC reports on something, if they report straight down the middle, it's so far left of what the far right-wing press, not even far right-wing, the right-wing press are saying is the truth. People go, look at these lefty pinkos. It's actually centrist. But because the mainstream press is so right-wing, it just has this perception of Yes. Like, which bothers me greatly. Terribly but we'll so. get to that. So you're 21. What's your, oh, shit, I'm in Darwin moment? <laughs> Do you know what? Bless my mum. I said, mum, I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you please come with me? And she said, sure. So bless my mum. She got on the plane and you're not going to believe this was actually my first plane trip. I love you. That is amazing. You know? So for me, because I, I really didn't have a gap year like a lot of students did uh, in, in my year in particular because I'd wanted to get into Mitchell and that's all I wanted to do and I got a place and I knew if I didn't take it then, I would never get another opportunity. So for me, it was kind of straight to school, straight to uni, straight into a job. So it was my first plane trip, you know, which was amazing. And I remember jumping off the plane thinking, oh, my God, what have I got myself into? You'd never breathe that kind of humidity before. Oh, and it was like the twilight zone and I thought, are you kidding me? Like this – and people had explained it to me. Now, keep in mind that I'd come from country New South Wales, incredibly cold temperatures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Birds are tweeting. And, <laughs> and, and you, cannot, you cannot explain the humidity until you've experienced it. The best analogy, and God love their drinking culture up there, is when you get the condensation on your glass, you know, on, on your glass of beer. And – I'm not kidding you, you would jump out of a freezing cold shower and then be dripping in sweat. The humidity is insane and everything is air-conditioned. We would spend most weekends watching fabulous movies because <laughs> the cinemas were fully air-conditioned. Yeah, right. So for me, you know, and that was lovely having mum there and that was great. She stayed with me for about two weeks and it was, it was also my first time that I actually read a live news bulletin. Wow. So Rosemary Church, I don't know if you know Rosemary, she's this fabulous broadcaster who now works for CNN in Atlanta. Wow. Most beautiful person. One of the best journos and broadcasters I've ever, ever worked with and a beautiful person. And she used to suffer terribly from migraines. So I was literally banging out my story at my news desk and it was about... In those days, well, the local news bulletin went to air at 7 o'clock Darwin time. So at quarter past six... The news boss came up to me and said, Tash, um, I'm just wondering if you can help us out. And I said, sure, 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 just getting this story to air. And he said, I need you to read the news. I went, what? And he said, I'm really sorry, but Rosemary's got a migraine and she would get, you know, literally, she thought she was okay. And the backup newsreader was actually on holidays. So in my true insane world and mind that I live in, I thought, sure, I can do this. So I said, sure. So they threw me into makeup for about 15 minutes. And then we had, it was like a shoebox because here in the newsroom here at 10, it's an open studio. You know, we're in the middle of the newsroom. It was seriously a shoebox and all that was in that room was the camera. And I was shaking so profusely. They had to do a really, really close, close up shot because I was shaking wow. so much. I was so incredibly nervous. And then we used to do Australia Television News, which is That's an international, the, the international version for the that Asia, would go yeah. to millions throughout Asia with every conceivable Asian name you could imagine. 
So I still remember. But what was lovely about that is Australia Television News was broadcast into New South Wales at like midnight. Yeah. So my mum and dad would oh. stay up and tape it on VHS. Excellent. So that for me, you know, and gosh, love Rosemary. She was like the most beautiful, beautiful lady, as I said, and she would help me and say, okay, I think you did this incorrectly or I think you need to do this. And she would stay back with me every night to yeah. help me on what she thought I could improve in. I had that in radio as well. And it's, it's so vitally important to have that. I, every plan needs a coach. Absolutely. And I'll never forget uh, Tiger Woods after he won his first Masters, after he first ever, like there he is in the green jacket, completely took his swing apart, put his swing back together and then... Did he really? ...won it again with a completely different swing. Did his wife teach him how to do that? Uh, Butch. <laughs> no. Butch, his That's his a whole coach. different topic. Different swing, different bat, <laughs> darling, different bat. Um, and do you know what I'd have to say, Osher, in... In regards to that, that's what really disappoints me in this industry now. There isn't enough mentoring. Right. Do you mentor anyone? No. Would you like to? I would, but I think it's um, oh, it's very difficult. I, th- I, th- I think as, a, as an industry we're changing so dramatically and mm. I think um, we just don't put enough time into having great mentors. Right. Because that experience is invaluable. And honestly for me, when I'm... I help a few people out here and there. It just crystallises everything for me too. I get so yeah. much out of it when I'm when I'm. Helping Do you think out. they appreciate it when you help oh, them? Absolutely, out? right? Absolutely. And I wouldn't be where I am had I not had people like Dave Charles, Rex Morris, Rob Logan, Brian Ford. Yeah, right. Um, Craig Bruce. These guys are like, you know what? They sit me in their office, they shut the door, and it goes. Here's what was really shit about your last shift, and they would list fifty-seven things. Great. And then fifty-eight would be like, but that was okay. And I walk out of there going. I have it, my ego had a smash in the face because I'm 21 and I've had all these amazing opportunities and I've got to this point in radio where n- most people had to go for three years in regional yep. radio to get to, and I'm thinking rrr, 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 my ego was fighting, but part of me was just really grateful for it and just eventually did what they said. And now when I look back, I'm like, I wish my ego just shut up and I just took it because I would have spent way less time in the middle of the night if I just listened to them. But you don't see that at that age. But I needed my ego to be beaten down, yeah, and beaten down and beaten down. I, I always like to say, you got to find humility, or humility will find you. Yes. <laughs> So, and especially in this game. Truly. And so to have someone like that to help you, my, uh, Claire Blake was the first person to show me how to panel and, 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 and talk yeah, right. on radio and all this kind of thing. And um, without that, I wouldn't be where I am. And so to have someone like this in, in your life is just a, a true blessing. And so you're in the ABC, you're in Darwin. Yes. We don't have to get too deep into this, but I, I'm guessing it's the first time you'd kind of lived outside of university. It's the first time you've lived really far away from home. Uh, no, because I went no. to boarding school. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're already fairly independent. Okay. Yes. Um, so having been a single man on television, <laughs> what's it like being a hot, single, oh. new into town, the hot girl from ABC Darwin? I, I've never been considered – I'm sure I don't know what you mean because I've, I've never um, – look, in Darwin, as I said, university was probably the best three years of my life. Yeah, right. I was – I'm talking about being on television. I'm talking about... Oh, no. I've never... Gosh, no. um, I've never had a lot of recognition, which is really Really? lovely. Yeah. I I, I don't think everyone's come up and I've never experienced that with someone's coming. Oh, my God, you're the hot girl off the news. Never. Really? No. As a single woman, did you find men intimidated by what you did for a living? No. No. 
I, I because I'm very, very different off camera to what I am on camera. I mm. think, and oh gosh, if if someone was interested in me because I was on TV, that to me would be a defining you, moment. But of you're not. so, but a lot of guys yeah. are kind of put off by someone who's intelligent, and I'm gonna say like uh, uh, some guys are quite insecure about uh, other men looking at their. Their girlfriend or their, yes. or their wife. Yes. Did you ever have deal have to deal with that? Never. Wow, that's great. Good yeah. picking on your behalf. Yeah. Well chosen. Yeah. I think. Look, I I don't think um, any guy that I've I've ever been with has been threatened by what I've done or mm. what I do. I think what is often a secret in this game as well, and it's quite interesting in the entertainment industry. I think is that it's very important to be surrounded by good people, mm. whether that's a good partner that keeps you incredibly well grounded or gets what's what is really important in life and let's be honest we're not saving lives <laughs> that in regards to good family good solid family and good solid family and friends that keep you incredibly well grounded my parents have never um thought that I'm defined by what I do as a job right you know they care more about same as my husband about mm. more about what I am as a person and how I treat others yeah right so at what point did Channel 10 come calling or did you call Channel 10? No, they came calling as well. Can you believe I've been at 10 15 years this year? I started when I was six. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was going to do the maths for you. But. Oh, maths hasn't been my strength. But anyway, yeah, so I, I, 18 months I was in Darwin. Right. And for me, Darwin is this amazing place that you either stay two years or 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point where I felt that I... Loved Darwin, but I needed to be back, you know, at home, surrounded by family and friends. So for me, it came at the perfect time. The news boss here at the time contacted me and said, "Um, look, we've got a position here in the Sydney newsroom. Would you be interested? Of course I'd be interested. So I literally said, yep, let's do it. I took a a month off before starting here at 10 and went through Central Australia, which was one of the best experiences of my life. You drove down? Yeah. Wow. And then got the gun from Adelaide, uh, from, sorry, from Alice Springs down to Adelaide and put the car on there. It was, you know, look, I love travelling overseas, but I don't think enough Australians travel in this amazing country. I couldn't agree with you more. And and you know what? You get out there and you just realise what life's about. Yeah. It is a fabulous, fabulous place in Central Australia. Yeah, yeah. You spent a month doing yeah, that. Yeah, a month travelling from Darwin right through Central Australia, then down to Adelaide and then across from Adelaide back up to Sydney. A highlight real highlight moment from the Darwin to Alice Drive? Oh, gosh, that's so hard. The most interesting so... person you met on that? that just give me the person you Okay. Met. Do you know the movie um, – what's the movie that the hor- – Mad Max 2, that's it. No, 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 no. <laughs> the horrendous – That oh, my gosh, I've just had a mental blank. Wolf Creek. Yes. Now, I do remember – Which is a horror movie that was kind of loosely based on some really terrifying backpacker murders that happened way out in this frightening part of the world. Well, I'm telling you now, when I started this adventure, the locals there in Darwin said to me – and I thought they were geeing me up. And they said, look, if you're travelling down there, anyone's lying on the road or anyone wants to hitchhike, do not stop under any circumstances. Were you alone? No. Okay. I was with my boyfriend. And I thought, oh, come on. And they said, no, 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 you don't understand. There are some serious criminals out in the outback. Yeah. And after seeing that movie, I met some of those people, those criminals. I would walk – we would walk into one of the outback pubs – 
And uh, do you remember the scene in Wolf Creek? I haven't never seen it. Oh. So tell me your story. Tell me your story that when you saw Wolf Creek, you went, I met that guy. Well, there's a scene in Wolf Creek where they the guys walk into the pub and they see this who ends up being the serial killer. Yeah. And they walk in and he's sitting in the pub. You, we had a couple of experiences. Spoiler where alert in case you haven't seen it. <laughs> Good point. It's all right. Um, then I would – I mean, really clearly remember walking into this pub, can't even remember the name of it, and I just had a really bad feeling and I thought we just shouldn't be there. And, we, you know, kind of the banjos were playing as we walked in and everyone turned around and looked at us uh-huh. and I thought, no. Nah. We had a beer, put it down and walked out. Right. You just had a bad feeling. And you literally drive for hundreds of kilometres and you see no one. Yeah. And if anything happens out there... That's it. That's it. If your car breaks down... And I still remember my um, boyfriend saying to me, oh, gosh, you're, um, you know, you exaggerate a lot. But then after seeing Wolf Creek, I thought, no, now I get why. And that, that, that were locals that had lived in the Territory for many years that had told me those stories. Bizarre stuff used to happen in Darwin during the um, build-up, which is when the humidity is crazy. People would do nudie runs. It would send people nuts. Yeah. What happened to Davo? Oh, we took him barra fishing. <laughs> there was an accident. Yeah. One of the salties got him. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing. Yeah. People would go fishing in little tinny boats have five or six cans, which they, you know, beer. It's just starting the day. And then they would get taken by, you know, or, or think they were brave and jump into the water. Are you kidding me? The yeah. other memory is on the Adelaide River croc cruise. And you would walk across and you would see it's the most populated waterway in the world for crocodile population. Wow. And because they stopped culling crocodiles in the Northern Territory. Right. And I would never swim in Kakadu in the National Park in the waterways because the locals, we did many stories on the fact that there were crocs there, yeah. but the local authorities didn't want to kind of highlight it so much because yeah. of tourism. There's a, I said that uh, uh, I, I know of people that have lived up there and there's, you know, there's a lot of people who say you've done a couple of years in the pen and you kind of want to start new so you don't have to associate with your old fraternity. <laughs> pop up to Darwin and there's a lot of people that live out, you know, towards Humpty Doo and stuff like that where yeah, they just kind of walk, go into Coles once a month to pick up a few supplies and shove everything in the deep freeze, just leave us alone, we're out here. And it's true. If someone had an argument with someone at the pub, where did he go, oh, he went barrow fishing, we never came back. It, it, it is Twilight Zone And no stuff. one really investigates. It nope. was a croc. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. accident yes we don't know what happened Croc- yes uh, i don't know we haven't seen him for a while a lot of weird things go on up there it does and and the other inter- really really fascinating thing about darwin which 
I find very interesting because I love modern history and also ancient history is Darwin has effectively been wiped off the map three times. There was a cyclone in the 1800s that obviously because of um, poor communication in those days no one really knew about. There was Cyclone Tracy which was far more devastating than people realised and there's an fascinating local museum there where you can actually go into a room where they play the audio recorded by a local priest of Cyclone Tracy and it is chilling. And then, of course, the bombing during World War II. Yeah, right. And that was incredibly devastating but because of local morale and propaganda during the war, they didn't want to alert Australians with how close the bombings were and how devastating they were during World War II. That had us believe it was just, oh, they got here but we fought them off. Yeah, very true. Wow. It's fascinating. So what was it like when you got to the big smoke? Because I know when I (laughs) went from Channel V to network, when I went from Channel V to doing Australian Idol, it was like, there's a catering budget? (laughs) What do you mean we fly at the front of the plane? (laughs) See, you're very blessed because you were in the big razzle-dazzle of great big programs. (laughs) News is always run on a shoestring budget. And that's what I've loved about 10 is the fact that our news department does not have the resources or the money. So I'm not texting. I'm just checking my notes to make sure I'm asking. Of course you are. Because I would research you. Um, Security. Um, And that's what I love about 10 is we don't have the resources, but there is an amazing team of fabulously talented people where I think we do a pretty good job and put out a pretty fabulous product with the resources we have. But when you got here, Sandra would have already been... King of the Kill, right? Of course, and she still is. I love Sandra. She is. What was Sandra like when you got here? She was fabulous. All of, you know, incredibly friendly atmosphere. And I'd say that's one of the qualities of 10 that I love is there's not the very vicious Mm. backstabbing or dog-eat-dog attitude, Mm. which I think is fabulous because I honestly don't believe if you do have an out-of-control ego, you last in this industry. I should just explain, Sandra Sully is the the late-night newsreader who... uh, Now reads 5 o'clock Sydney. Used to just talk us all off to sleep. (laughs) Today in Chechnya. Say it again, Sandra. Say it again. Pronounce it one more time. I used to live across the street before they built the building next door where Nova is. I used to live across the street. We would see the lights go out after they finished the late bulletin. Wow. Yeah, we would watch was the Was security watching you at that stage? We were just over there. Yeah, sure we you were. just were. over there. Loitering outside the building? No, no, no I, was working, I was already working in television. It was 99. 99? Yeah, I lived down the street when this was still a ghetto before there was actually houses yeah. around here. We lived in the building at the end of the street. Gosh. When I first got here, yeah. Um, so that's nice to know. That's yeah. nice to know. Okay, so before before we get out of just quick your story, I want to talk about how things are now. So... Uh, when you watched Anchorman, what was the moment that really spoke to you the most? We actually played a really good trick. with. I used to read the weekend news with Rob Canning and Matt Doran and we played an Anchorman trip, uh, trick on Rob. And gosh, love Rob. This is before you'd seen Anchorman? Uh, after. after. And anyone that's had children knows that you're incredibly sleep deprived. You know, like with the new program, we have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Everyone's, oh, how are you going to handle three o'clock in the morning i've got a seven and five year old i've been sleep deprived for basically nine years so this is nothing anyway so robert had a little girl so i knew he was sleep deprived he'd had a shocking night with um his little girl being unwell and i the evil part of me thought no let's get him so we changed the auto cue on him 
Which is a thing that you read when your, your yes. script goes in front of the camera. So you, it may look like you know half an hour of script off, off by heart. You're actually just reading it. No, yeah. I memorise all of it. <laughs> <laughs> so we changed it. Yeah. And Matt, who I re- read the news with, said to me, oh, he'll pick this up. And I said, no, he won't. He's had no sleep. He's vulnerable, so let's get him. Oh, yes. <laughs> so he read the auto cue, which was a mistake in it. Yeah. And, yeah, to me that was – do you remember in Anchorman when they used to – yeah. I've watched it a hundred times. How – and do you know what I love about it is it's very true. It's so true. It's so true. So true. It's so true. based on an actual – Yeah, actual, I know. very first female anchor. I, times have changed, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. And um, I do love it, though. It's vi- – I mean, look, it used to be like Frontline. I don't know whether you've ever watched Frontline. One of the great Australian single-camera uh, comedies ever, ever made. Uh, if you can hunt it down, hunt it down. It was put together by the Working Dog crew who yes. had done a comedy show called The Degeneration. Parts of them went and did a thing called The Late Show and then they created this. It was a fake Ray Martin, essentially. Yes. It was a – it was like almost like the Larry Sanders show about us, the Australian news scene. And a current affairs show yeah, in a newsroom. Show, yeah. And it used to take... Shot on high eight. <laughs> it was shot on high eight. I know. It was shot on video cameras that don't even have the capability of your iPhone. Got yeah. You and then there was the classic episode where they were doing a story about the wonder dog who would yes. save this boy's life and then they reversed over the dog and killed the dog. But I remember working in the industry. I just started out. And that was true. Some of the episodes were absolutely true. So someone was giving them inside knowledge, which I loved even more. So someone actually reversed over the Wonder Dog? No, but someone was giving them. Some of the scripts were extraordinarily true. That's brilliant. I lo- and, and, you know, look, it's still incredibly relevant today. Oh, God, I've got to go hunt it down. If you can't laugh on- at yourself. I wish they put it on iTunes. <laughs> so you've been... Okay, so you've been uh, working in broadcasting. Uh, internet was very, very early when you were finishing university. Yes. How has doing your job changed when you realise that you're possibly, when you're reading the news to someone, it might be the second or third time they've heard about what you're telling them because they've been checking Twitter or, or checking their websites that day? Look, I, I think people still love news, but I agree with you, the fact that the way we source news is so incredibly varied today. Subsequently, we have to change the way that we deliver news. I think we have to heavily embrace social media, but we have to deliver it in a different way. You're right. Sometimes when people watch our news, they would have already been across the major issues of the day. Therefore, I I passionately believe we have to provide news in a different way. We have to provide more analysis. And I think there is absolutely definitely a market for that. For example, with the new show... This is Wake Up. Yes, Wake Up, which is... Which is the new breakfast show, which we're going to get to, which I'm super excited about. Super excited about. We have, which is completely different from other networks at the moment, we have dedicated social media producers. So something that is breaking right now we will be completely across while even a couple of years ago it would be in the newspaper the next day Mm. I just think you know even the way I source news now the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is my iPad Mm. and I'm checking Twitter which for me is a time poor person like so many other Australians are now working mums in particular it just basically condenses everything and very rarely apart from the weekends I will often read the newspapers because I want more analysis There's of the issues. There's a great billboard for in the states. We actually actually have uh, centrist or centre left yes. AM talk stations. Yes. Heaven forbid. Yes. That these sort of things exist. And uh, one of them is a billboard of a guy saying, "Honey, 
My newspaper's full of news from yesterday. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, it's true. So I'm really interested to hear this from you because uh, who you speak to and, and, and your audience is, 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 is very important. What should people know about digesting news uh, because before, they would get news after it had been through the filter of a newsroom where yes. one, one person went, you know what, that person's a hack. We're not going to even give that person airtime. We're not going to put this story in our newspaper because let's just check those sources before we're going to print this. Now people have just unfettered access to essentially clickbait, which is just how school buses are going to kill your child. And you click it and it's just like a, a, you know, a local council somewhere in yes. the western suburbs of Toowoomba has implemented something you know like how can people become better at reading their own news what are some questions people should put in their minds when they're digesting news off the internet see i actually think people underestimate the intelligence of the audience okay i often do and i think that's where the future of news you know there's been a lot of criticism that traditional media is dead i completely disagree because that's where i think we can make a difference is the fact that on the internet and a prime example and I'm a victim of it, <laughs> is I will self-diagnose on the internet. So I used to be a, a medical reporter, right? Excellent. And for me, that is one of the great areas of journalism that is often underestimated. In our news bulletin, when I used to be a medical reporter, the medical stories were the stories we received the most calls about. Right. Because people, you, you are really changing their lives. You know, we, we were at the frontier of reporting breaking news on cancer treatments, on issues like food allergies, asthma, et cetera, et cetera. And once you become a parent, you realise the importance of all of these stories. Or if your parents are ageing, that these revolutionary drugs can literally save their lives. But as a medical reporter, it taught me incredibly important skills. There are drug companies out there pushing drugs And it's our responsibility to know about the warning signs. I still remember having an interesting argument with a news director who is no longer here. And he wanted me to put together a news story as a medical reporter straight from a VNR, which is a video news release, which is put out by a drug company. It's a press release. Yes. Essentially. But it's audio and video put out by the drug company. And he wanted you to report it as news. Yes. So... In a working newsroom, that doesn't mean you have to send out a crew. doesn't mean you have to organise all of the resources. You can put together that story, but it's put out by the drug company. Mm. So tell me on what basis any of that is unbiased. So they've got the victim who said how wonderful this drug is. They've got the scientist in the lab saying this is a major breakthrough that will save millions of lives around the world. That issue was actually a drug that some years later had been linked to a number of unexplained deaths. And I remember having a stand-up argument with this news director and I said, I'm not putting my name to that because I'm not going to be held responsible. More than happy to use one interview, but you have to go and balance it out with someone from the Heart Foundation or get an independent source to say... Because the bottom line is every drug has side effects and it's our responsibility to provide them with the information. So would you say then, like, say, for example, if people are finding a, a, a news story um, on from one source, do they then go type that into Google and find it from another newspaper to see another side? You have to check where you're getting that information from. And 
I would have to say, even today, the dramatic changes in don't always believe what you read from some sources. You have to check what source that is coming from and is there a hidden agenda. Mm-hmm. I think the internet is fabulous and I think it's been fabulous for information and sourcing. You know, Google, I love Google. You can Google all the information. But like my experience with that medical story, those interviews and information is tarnished because it's put out by the pharmaceutical company that's pushing that drug. Mm. And how many of these online stories look exactly like a news piece but well, are essentially just a press release copy and pasted? And that is exactly my point. Osher, if I'd put that to air, it would have like looked like we had gone out and done the interviews. Yeah, but you're you. I'm talking about for folks who are checking stuff on their iPad. Like yes. how can How can they be more... Like if there's, a, if there's a story that really increases their heart rate, if they get, oh, really? Would you say, we'll go and see if you can find that same point of view in three different places, then maybe Ab- it might be real? Absolutely. If not, it's not gospel truth? And I think you almost have, have to have an element of scepticism. That's where I think we can make the difference with being a news bulletin at night is we are almost the people that pull together all the different information and let people make informed decisions. I just don't think you can make an informed decision about your life or issues from one source. So let's then talk about the thing that... I've lived overseas for a few years now, Mm -hmm. pretty much. Whenever Idol wasn't on from 2005, I've been living in America. And I see it there a lot, and it's really unfortunate that I see it here, that the art... The art and grace of actual debate about anything is sadly disappearing. What is, what's your opinion on, on how that's gone? Why did it go away? And what can, we, what can we do about it? What can we do? Because at the moment it's like, in the States it certainly is like, this Republican, which is a, their Liberal Party, may have a fantastic idea about gun control, but because he's Republican we're going to just say no yeah. before he even opens his yeah. mouth. And that gets us nowhere. So I'd just like to just your thoughts on on debate in this country. I actually think that's one of the great... um, I I agree with you. It disillusions me greatly, the fact that we don't have genuine debate. And I think I'm like a number of my friends and family are like this. It's the lesser of the two evils currently right now in our political system. I remember being in the election line last time when it was Julia Gillard and Tony Abbott. And I always listen to what people say when we're lining up to vote. Every single person in that line said to me, I don't know who to vote for. I don't like either of them. And I think that is such a shocking, shocking place for our country to be in. The fact that you don't firmly believe in someone's ideals. And I think the problem with both of the parties at the moment, it's not about I passionately believe in giving asylum seekers the right to have, obviously, asylum or to go to a safe place like Australia. No, it's what's going to win votes. And I just don't think there's anyone right there right now who is so passionately... so passionate about a certain issue that I want to vote for them because I think it's all about just getting over the line. They just want to get back in. But what about in your... In your world as, as someone who's trying to report the news, someone who wants to actually ask a question, someone who yeah. wants to maybe let's see if we can find a middle ground, does it, do you get disillusioned as a, as, as a reporter who's trying to, like, does it bother you? Totally disillusioned. And I also think I'm so sick of the spin. You know, I, I think also from – that's why I'm so passionate about providing an alternative. I think – I seriously believe, and I will always say that, that there is a thirst in Australia for good quality – journalism 
a debate where you ask the serious questions and serious issues. For example, the, one of the first questions I'd say to Kevin Rudd is if you were so passionate in supporting Australia and believing so wholeheartedly in everything that Labor sta uh, stands for, why did you for the entire duration of Julie Gillard's leadership stay there and stab her in the back? And then the, 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 But then there's the trick of holding him to the answer because... I agree. We'll have a new Prime Minister by the time this airs, probably. I, I had to stop watching those televised debates. I agree. It just bother, it's like, what, why do we even bother? Why even bother having this conversation if... How, like, what can we do about that? How can we steer ourselves back towards... And this doesn't just go for politicians. That's just the most heightened version of this question. It's like this goes back to, you know, like, the head of BHP or the head of, you know, some mining company that wants to drill for coal seam gas just outside of where the water yes. table is, you know. How can we get this person to actually answer a question rather than just go straight to a talking point? That's why, and you mentioned before ABC, that's why, you know, Lee Sales, I think, is one of the best interviewers I, in the country. You know, and that's why I love that show, you know, the fact and... Um, Look, that's why I'm also so excited about Wake Up is for me also as a journalist and I really do not care who is leading in the poll, in the latest news poll. I care about the fact that when I go to the hospital, I don't get enough service and the fact that my child has a bad experience mm. in that hospital. I'm upset about the fact that a child who's incredibly talented doesn't get the opportunity to go to university for free because they don't have the money to go to university. They're the issues I actually really care about. Mm. And the fact that Tony Abbott is a passionate Christian and Catholic, but uh, his attitudes towards the situation with asylum seekers, is that really Christian and looking after others in need? To me, they're the issues that Australians really care about, not whether either leader is wearing a blue tie. I think we have to redefine the way that do we deliver news and the fact that I firmly believe that people, if we give it the time and we give it the support, people will watch engaging and entertaining television. I mean, exactly as you said, ask the question and keep asking it till he bloody answers it. So this brings me to at what point did you get approached about this new breakfast show, which I I cannot be more excited about for, for Australia and television generally because of what you're doing and who's working on it. At what point did you get first approached by it, about it? Gosh, okay. Well, to be honest, I've actually seen and this is talking about the same themes that we've been talking about, I've seen a change in the way that we deliver news. And for me, I've loved news reading. I've loved being an online, you know, kind of on-the-road journo. And I think the way that online technology is going and embracing social media, I think there is a different way to deliver news. I think we need more intelligent, engaging conversation about issues. The Miley Cyrus topic. Now... Oh, this will be a few weeks ago now. This is the VMAs. Yes. What she did at the VMAs. Yes. Yeah. Now, for me, that is something that I could talk about for two hours on a show mm -hmm. because, to me, there are so many different issues with that topic and I want to be involved in a program like that and that's what Wake Up's going to deliver. Sorry to answer your question, okay. Osha. When I got a pro is Adam Boland, who is, I think, one of the best television executives in this country and his mind is extraordinary. He's, he, a, he's a wonderkind who basically uh, started, the, I'm going to say, the first kind of street yes. studio morning show here in Australia, kind of loosely based on the NBC Today show in New York. Uh, I don't know how young he was when he started that, but... In was, his, yeah, late 20s. Yeah, yep. for, for that job. He was a yes. kid. And Channel 10 now have him. This network has him. And uh, 
what you're going to do with him must be so exciting. So what was your first meeting with Bowen like? What did he say that you wanted? he wanted the show to be? Well, I remember first meeting Adam and I said, oh, he said, oh, what are you working on today? And I said, oh, this woman's had a 15-pound baby. <laughs> and I was, it was a story that I thought, wow, this is fabulous. So he, he just knew straight away that we were kind of on the same wavelength yeah. about what – to me, he and I, which I love, is I'll say to him, what do you think the big issues are of the day? And he'll agree with me on what the issues are. And he's someone that I think gets my passionate about what mm. the big issues are of the day. And for me, I know this for a fact, he was very open-minded on who he wanted to host the show and he did chemistry testing, which is great. So incredibly important when you're putting a show together. And he just threw us all in a room and just threw topics at us. And I don't think he ever thought of three hosts, but he was incredibly – he said this, that he was incredibly excited by the dynamic that Matho, James Matheson, myself and Natasha Exelby, who's another journalist, had. He said it was just extraordinary and he was very surprised by it. He didn't, he didn't think of it, mm. but once he had it there, he was really excited about it. I'm so, I couldn't be more excited for James. Like when I first oh. heard about this show, I'm like, James is going to – that's James's job. When I first heard that Channel 10 were doing a new one, I'm like, it's Jimbo. That's it. It's no other person that could possibly make this. Do you know what I love is people underestimate him. Oh, my God. People are going to be so freaked out. They're like, what, the guy who's stoned all the time? You have no clue what's coming. Super intelligent. The smartest. Reads a book a week. I know. Uh, the smartest man ever. And what I love is he's got a whole new energy and love of life since having his daughter. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so uh, just such a compassionate man as well. I remember when, because I used to get so caught up uh, in two elections ago. I, I was getting really caught up and uh, really fired up and very reactionary to these things. And he's like, "Man, they're just clickbait. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's just click. It's just clickbait." But I, I hadn't considered that as a concept. I'm, I'm sometimes not the smartest man, and he just kind of said, "But people, they're emotional things, and they're just going to write what makes people feel justified." Yeah. It's like, Whoa, you know, it's like red pill and blue pill matrix time, and he really taught me that. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just really excited about what you, what the three of you are gonna, gonna create, you yeah. know, in, in, in the morning. And it must be so exciting to, it's incredibly exciting, create a show just, it's just on the edge of the envelope of where audience interaction and live television come together. What, what do you feel about that? Well, see, this is what I love about the program is as you said, and also as Matho says, is the fact that being part of creating a show from scratch is extraordinarily exciting. I'm under no illusion, though, that it's going to be an incredibly tough job. You know, some of the most successful shows on TV, including in the breakfast time slot, it took two to three years to build that audience. And changing people's habits in the morning is extraordinarily difficult. Mm. So we're under no illusion that it's going to be a very, very tough job. But what a great program to be involved with you've got someone like adam also tash matho and i can talk about anything even the other day we caught up and we spoke for an hour about the miley situation Brilliant. and for me it's so concerning on so many different levels did you see the tweet that she put out from her dad oh uh, no i did not yeah basically saying that her dad if um is it twerking if twerking was invented and the finger was around then that foam finger he would have done exactly the same thing I'm sorry, what father is okay with his 20-year-old daughter doing that? Do you agree with me? My personal belief is that Miley Cyrus knows exactly what she's doing. Right. And that she is doing everything she can to distance herself from Hannah Montana and you'd be surprised how many 19, 20-year-old girls are thrilled at what she did. 
And I, whenever there's a, a, a break in, and Justin Bieber did it when Justin Bieber first came out, whenever there's a break when people above the age of 22, 23 go, that's the worst thing ever, and people under the age of 22, 23 go, that's awesome, then you know someone's onto something. I think it was by design completely. See, I think that's interesting because then I went and spoke to some parents of young teenage girls and I must admit there are only five different couples I spoke to. Every single one that had a teenage girl between the age of 12 and 18 said that their daughters had said they were horrified by what she did. Oh, really? Interesting. So I, I, I just, you know, and then James and I, I you know, th- that was the extraordinary conversation. Tash really didn't care about it. Right. But I did because I've got two young boys. Right. Well, I, here's, here's the thing. She's in the centre of a billion-dollar industry. Yeah. So she's got so much money. She doesn't need to do what she's doing. I completely think what she did was by design. I don't think it was just an accident. You don't produce a massive event like the MTV VMAs and have 100 dancers on stage and 300 people working in production to put out something like that by accident. Do you think it was okay that it was targeted towards a family audience, though? The VMAs? Yeah. Have always been risque. Going back till the early 80s when they first started them. They've always... It was Madonna's Like a Virgin when she was touching herself. They've done it since back yeah. then. Yeah, and that's, even Madonna that's, kissing Britney. That's the thing... That's, but that was 15 years later. Mm-hmm. I'm talking when they first started, when Eddie Murphy hosted it. Like, this is like years ago. It's always been that way. And it's we're talking about it in another country. Weeks after it happened, it worked. That's all I'm saying. I Look, this is for another <laughs> show. <laughs> um, and then her mum gave her a standing ovation. Bless her heart. Are you kidding me? No. She's not saving lives. It's anyway, okay. it's okay, right. okay. It's like, well, look at this, America. Don't worry about what's happening in Syria. That's all I'm saying. Um, exactly. So, just very, very quickly, two final questions before I let you get out of here. Often, people have to make a decision. Uh, people, women, have to make a decision, kids or career. What's been your experience? I would have to say no one ever explained to me it's the hardest job I've ever done. And I could talk for three hours about this issue Mm. because I still think there is a perception in society and especially in a lot of male-dominated industries, not here by any means, there is a perception that raising children is still a female job. Mm -hmm. And I think that's extraordinarily naive and very old school. I think my husband and the father of our beautiful boys is extraordinarily supportive and a wonderful dad. But even between men, I think there's this perception, you know, a, a, a girlfriend of mine, her father is more hands-on and does, um, you know, kind of does casual work and he still gets a lot of grief from his mates. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you know, you're the stay-at-home dad. Why wouldn't men want the same opportunity as women to help in raising their children? Yeah. And it's all, you know, I, I sometimes think in this constant struggle that we have, often the children are the losers. Mm. And I would ask a lot of women and men that are constantly doing the juggle and struggle, at what point are they happy? You know, you know, are they currently happy? And I don't think you can have it all. And any woman that tries to achieve that is either heavily medicated or lying. Right. I think that it's by hard... by far the hardest thing that I have ever done because I'm very passionate about being a hands-on mum. I've met a lot of people that are not so passionate about being hands-on parents, but I am passionate about doing as much as I possibly can, plus giving 110% to my career. I think long-term I will see the benefits, but right now it's extraordinarily hard. Right. Would you, would you recommend it? Would I recommend trying to balance both? Yeah. 
If I had a solution to it, I'd be worth tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> um, my solutions right now, why the hell isn't it tax deductible? I am not by any means for having a baby bonus or maternity leave. Um, your choice to have children. So you mean childcare tax deductible? Childcare, 100% tax deductible. The only reason I go back to work, the only reason, sorry, that I pay for childcare is because I have to go back to work. The tax the government gets out of me, to me, that would ease a lot of pressure on families. The workplace needs to be more flexible. I'm sorry, I have an opinion that someone who goes to work for 13, 14 hours a day is incredibly inefficient. Some of the hardest workers I know are parents. They don't have time for gossip. They don't have time to waste. They're in there. They get the job done and they're out. Right. I could go on for an hour and a half. No, about I think it. it's I think it's really you know important because like the, the the public perception may be that oh she turns up at you know five minutes before airtime and she reads what's on the screen then she goes home and plays do play with her kids. I work Fun. harder <laughs> now than I ever have before. I think a lot of people in this industry the days of walking in. You know, say your bulletin went to air at five o'clock. The days of walking in at three o'clock and leaving at five past six are gone. Very few newsreaders do that today. Um, a lot of newsreaders now are fully qualified, experienced on the road journos because I think you can tell the difference between a person that actually understands what they're delivering to someone who may have been an actor or an entertainer. I think... Um, yeah, it's it's constant and it's unforgiving being a mum and um, a working journalist and news presenter. But I love the fact that my kids see me trying to do the best at home and at work. And, yeah, look, they have bought me from a positive point of view. It's also, although it's the most challenging thing I've ever done, it's the best thing I've ever done. And in this business, <laughs> they bring me right back down to earth and they show me what's really important in life. A job is a job and you are very replaceable. <laughs> That's so true. It is. You, you, I just spent the last six months unemployed. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, sure, it's true. And, and and people that think it's actually, I've seen a lot of people in this industry that have given up everything and when they unfortunately lose their job or they're made redundant or whatever, um, they're left with nothing. And I think that is so incredibly tragic. Yeah, right. So before I let you get out of here, um, what's the... If someone's listening to this right now, probably maybe they're a teenager. They're like, oh, I've got a blog. I'd like to be a reporter. I'd like to have a career in media. What would you say to them? Today is very, very different to when I started out. Um, my number one advice, as I said at the beginning, is lots and lots of experience. Um, the days of lots of money in television are gone. I firmly believe that because of the advertising dollar. I can attest to that. It is. <laughs> gone. Do you, and you have, you have to realise that you have to work damn hard yeah. and for, you know, average pay. And if you think you're going into this industry for glamour or recognition, forget it. Stay, don't even walk in the front door. Um, the first thing if someone says to me, I want to be famous, see you later. You know, for me, I'm... make a YouTube video. You, oh. you know, you'll be famous for a day and that'll be it. Yeah. Good for you. Go exactly. Yeah. So for me, my advice would be you have to be passionate about what you want to do. And I'm still incredibly passionate. I love my job. And every day I come in and I'm incredibly excited about it. You have to be passionate. You have to be willing to work extraordinarily hard, multi-skilled, get as many skills as you possibly can. 
when I worked in, in, in radio, I made sure I knew how to panel, cut, edit. Exactly. Uh, record, interview, uh, host, MC, everything. I did everything. So that when I went on holiday, it took, honestly, it took them two or three different people to fill in for me when I went away. And you're invaluable. That's the key. Yes. <laughs> yes. Persistence, you'd have to, you know, you have to be, consi- you know, consistently persistent. The fact that you're going to work incredibly hard, um, that you may get many knockbacks and you have to have a very, very thick skin in this game. Um, also... You know, I had an interesting experience the other day. This person walked in who was junior and they said to me, um, oh, God, I've got four weekend shifts in a row. You know, I've got to go out with my friends and da 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 And this person's been in the job for about 12 months. And as I'm getting older, I'm starting to lose my filter. And, you know, that attitude, my God, I've been at 10 for 15 years and I'm still doing weekend shifts. Do you know what I mean? Like if you have that attitude, this isn't the game for you. Yeah, right. Um, I think you have to have the attitude that you are going to work hard. You're going to have roster problems and enjoy it. If you don't enjoy the job, choose something else. Truly. I, uh, I'm going to see you three on stage at the Logies picking up a big statue. For um, what? The gold? Best ever. <laughs> yeah. Best oh. on air ever. Nothing. Watch. Uh, mark my words. Once the three of you get on telly, once the three of you get on telly, you watch the other networks go, oh, shit, and put something completely new on. You're going to – you're a fox in the hen house. You're going to smash it out of the park. I don't think people are going to know what's going to hit them. And you're on a network that has shown in the past its enormous commitment to projects like this. For example, the 7 p.m. project, if you look at the numbers that they did for the first year, they're numbers that wouldn't fly. Yes. At all. Mm-hmm. But look where it is now. It's like four years later and they are crushing the end of the day. But for the first year, they're, they're a network. This is a network that was, okay, let's, let's just, we understand this takes a while. So let's go with this. And I couldn't be more excited. Oh, Osha, you're very – look, sincerely, thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. It's going to be great. And if I'm unemployed in 12 months. <laughs> you won't be. No, and look, you know, I'll be honest, I go with my gut in this game a lot. If I walk into a situation and my gut tells me no, and as soon as I walked onto that set, it's at Manly Beach, which is one of the most picturesque beaches in this country. Yeah. My gut said, wow, this is right. This is the right show to be involved with. The exact opposite feeling of the Outback Pub? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I walked in and go, oh my god, I'm going to be on the news for being murdered. <laughs> and and they had that was the other thing when we walked into this pub. This is maybe too much information, but on the wall were all of backpackers' underpants where they'd signed their names. And I went, okay, I really need to get out of here. I know. True story. Love this country. Love you. <laughs> Oh, I love you too. Thank you, Osha. At Natasha Belling on Twitter, at N-A-T-A-R-S-H-A-B-E-L-L-I-N-G. You can follow her on Twitter. As you can hear, she is a remarkable, remarkable human being, a wonderful woman, very talented, very hardworking person. And, uh, well, I just love talking to her. It just really, really vibed me up about, like, that's right. That's that's, that's why I, I, I like to do what I do. And I can't, for the life of me, figure out anything else. It's weird. I swear to you, I'm speaking so truthfully right now. You know, I'm like, what else could I do with my life? But this is all I've ever been good at. And this is all I've ever enjoyed doing. This is all I know how to do. I don't know what else I would do. 
And so I'm grateful you're here because without you, <laughs> I'd be fucked. <laughs> uh, wake Up starts on 10 in Australia, 6.30am, Monday, the 4th of November. TV's going to change. Um, I actually got a bit of a kick out of Adam Boland, the executive producer. He tweeted, um, so sorry to my friends over at uh, Channel 7 and Channel 9 if I've disrupted your summer plans because we're putting the full A-team on right across summer. <laughs> oh, nothing's quite as much fun as a good media war. I was in a radio war once down in Adelaide. Maybe I'll tell you about that another time. Listen, thanks so much for listening. Thank you so, so much for listening. If you like the show, please let us know on Twitter, at Osher Ginsberg. Um, if you don't like the show, you can let me know as well. I mean, uh, you asked for more women voices. I, I have more women voices. There's plenty to come. Very special episode next week. Very special uh, charity-based episode next week, which I'm super excited to, to let you know about. As always, please go to iTunes and rate the show, comment on the show, um, and, and let me know what you think about the show. And if you really, 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 really want to, get yourself some super karma you can send out a tweet with a link to the episode from the website the osher ginsburg podcast.tumblr.com um i'm just so grateful you're here thanks for listening to my ranting um the sun's setting here in venice it's saturday night um i got invited to a, a halloween party tonight because they take halloween super seriously here man so I got invited to a Halloween party tonight and, uh, you know, once again, it, it's in downtown, which is, I don't know, like if you live in Sydney, it's like if you live in Bondi, you're not going to go to Newtown or if you live in, you know, St Kilda, you're not going to go to, you know, Brunswick for a shindig. So it's, it's Venice and this is where I live. So I live in Venice and the party's downtown and uh, Natalia Perez, who I used to do the hot hits with, it's her uh, her friend's party, and she's like, "Come, come to this party." And you know, obviously, straight away, like, "Well, I don't know anybody, and I've never been to that party." And I'm totally afraid, and just like didn't want to go. And so I'm like, "Well, what do I what do I do? Do I do the same thing I always do and just sit in my house and not go, or do I, you know, just do the opposite and see what happens?" So uh, I've called a mate, and uh, he's going to wingman, and um. We're going to get in some onesies because that's the only costume I've got. <laughs> We're going to go downtown and see what happens. Um, I was going to tell you about the shotguns at the wedding last week. Okay, so I went to a wedding, a really remarkable wedding, very sweet wedding. And um, the morning of the wedding, the bachelor said, right, this is the last thing I'm doing as a single man. And we went to a shooting range on the outskirts of Los Angeles, next door to the Los Angeles Polo Club in that part. It's like way out in the foothills of the Angeles National Forest. And we did sporting clays, which is uh, basically clay pigeons where you go, pull, and the thing flies out. And uh, it, it's basically the closest this vegan's ever going to get to hunting. And I was actually pretty good at it. But what was wild was that we had a coach with us. Rick was his name. He was like six foot four, a really sweet guy, lovely, lovely bloke. And he coached us and talked us through, you know, if the, if the bird's flying this way, bird is what they call the clay pigeon. So the clay, it's a piece of clay. It's about the size of a small teacup saucer. He said, if it's flying this way, you want your barrel to be in front. If it's flying that way, you want your barrel to be behind. And... I actually turned out to be okay at it. I actually, actually pretty, I'm actually okay at shooting shotguns. And I don't know what this means, but I tell you, I got two in a row. I actually got five in a row at one point. And at the end of every, because they came out in pairs, and every time I got two, and it happened, so it happened twice, he's giving me a slap on the back that, you know, we all crave approval. We all want people to think we're good at stuff, right? 
This guy gave me a slap on the back and said, Atta boy. I don't know this guy. I don't know why I'm putting such value in his approval. But I cannot tell you. I told him, I want to bottle that. I want to bottle that. an attaboy from Rick the shotgun coach and just kind of have it up my sleeve when, I, when I'm having a shitty day. Anyway. Obviously, you know, you're just thinking, just give yourself an attaboy, it works. You don't understand what it's like to be between my ears some days. Anyway! Jeez, you've made it this far. I love you. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.